It has never been easier to start a new business that reaches millions of customers. And now people are creating amazing startups outside of Silicon Valley. But starting a company doesn't equal success. In this podcast, we dive into how founders across the southeastern United States are succeeding, why they fail, and everything in between. Welcome to Startup Pivot Scale. Let's start today's episode with a disclaimer. We're going to be 100% real with you all about some of the toughest times that we've had when running a startup, you know, the dark days. So as a trigger warning, we will talk about some contents related to depression and suicide in the entrepreneur community. We're also going to talk about some of the best moments of running a startup in another episode. So don't let this scare you off. Just know that we want to be 100% real with you all at all times so you truly understand what it's like running a startup. There is a moment immediately before life becomes no longer worth living, when the world appears to slow down and all of its mirrored details suddenly become brightly, achingly apparent. This quote is from Aaron Schwartz's blog post titled, A Moment Before Dying, published on January 18, 2007. Shorts committed suicide several years later. Taboo, a ban or an inhibition resulting from social custom or emotional aversion. Dark times in the entrepreneur community is this, taboo. And we're so used to being told about the glitz and the glamour of tech life, we forget there is another side. When thinking of startups, we rarely talk about the tough times. Even when we do, we talk about almost mythical stories of success as we glance over the hardships. But when you really dive deep and get into the real story of what it's like running a startup, you get a very different perspective. 72% of entrepreneurs suffer from some type of mental illness. Two thirds of entrepreneurs suffer from at least two types of mental illness. We're twice as likely to suffer from depression, six times more likely to suffer from ADHD, three times more likely to suffer from substance abuse, 10 times more likely to suffer from bipolar disorder, twice as likely to have psychiatric hospitalization, and twice as likely to have suicidal thoughts. We believe that by knowing what you are getting yourself into and learning how to cope with these hard times is the only chance you have at keeping your sanity during the incredible adventure of launching a startup. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Startup Pivot Scale. In this podcast, you'll be able to hear all sorts of startup stories and advice by entrepreneurs who have not quite yet made it yet, but are well on their way. I'm Arnav Chakraborty, Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Flow MedTech. I'm Edwin Williams, Founder of Zenhammer. And I'm David Nelson, Co-Founder of BrewFund. And we're entrepreneurs in the Northeast Tennessee region who have started companies and industries from medical devices to software with almost 30 years of combined experience. So guys, let's talk about this. What is the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? (laughs) First of all, I was going to say, the only statistic I kind of don't agree with is that we're, you know, more likely to be, I think it was six times more likely to be, suffer from ADHD. And I, I kind of feel like ADHD is my superpower, but I also would argue that ADHD is something that I think entrepreneurship just appeals to people with ADHD. So that, that, that one's the one I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't know about that. But the rest of them, I, I can see it. It makes so much sense. 
Um, and I think the hardest part about being an entrepreneur is being an entrepreneur. I mean, that's it's just a hard path to walk. Yeah, I'd agree with that being a hard path to walk because a lot of people were told, hey, you start a tech company in five years, you're going to be a billionaire. When the statistics are, there's a very good chance you're still going to be broke and no company at the end of five years. And you just don't know what's going to happen. And that weighing uncertainty, people like certainty. And that weighing uncertainty um, grinds at you day in, day out. Um, are we going to make the budget this year? Are we going to get enough sales so that we can keep our employees? Those are the type of things that hit entrepreneurs really hard because at the end of the day, you're the one shouldering all the risk and you're the one trying to make other people's lives certain when yours is uncertain in itself. Yeah, I think it's, I'm glad we're talking about this today because I think it's, when you really look at the numbers, it, it doesn't even make sense why anybody does this just because, and I'm not talking about the stats of you know, depression and everything else, just the sheer reality that if you start a business, you have a very, very good chance of failing. Even if you do everything right, it still may not work out in the end. And so you're going into something with this, you know, dis, you're just, you're not willing to listen to those numbers. You're not sitting there thinking, oh man, there's a good chance I'm going to fail. Entrepreneurs have this mindset of going into it of like, I'm going to succeed. And there's this, you know, re reality distortion field, kind of like what they always talk about with Steve Jobs of, you, you just believe in it so much, but, and everybody talks about that. And you hear all these stories of, you know, oh, this, the, you know, this five people that failed, but then are billionaires. And I, you never hear about the five people that failed and have a miserable life because of it. And not even just the failure, even the people that succeeded have so much of a struggle. The pressure is so immense. It's just not something that's talked about really at all. And I think a lot of mental health experts, if they listen to this podcast, are going to be excited that some entrepreneurs are just being open about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. Like not you know, just this whole path of not really knowing what's coming. Like you guys are talking about the uncertainty, you know, just, you have to have this open mind and, continuous like be flexible because at any time things can change and whole plans can change and it's like okay now i gotta not really start over but like, i gotta scrap the plan I, I was planning for for weeks now and maybe i gotta do something different based on how one person might have reacted or you know things might have gone a way you didn't want them to and it's tough and you have all these people that are counting on you that you're working with as well you have investors, friends, and family. I mean, it, it weighs on you pretty heavily, not knowing what to do sometimes when plans don't go like the way you anticipate them to go. I think also like another aspect of it, at least, you know, that I have experienced is just like the social life part of it. You know, everything you have to sacrifice and give up to really follow your dreams. social life part of it. <laughs> yeah, <Social> exactly. <laughs> the lack of... <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think people really take the time to understand that so much of the things you have to sacrifice and give up on this path to create something special. And that's going to one day hopefully impact and help a lot of people's lives in whatever way. Well, so let's dig into that actually just a little bit, because I think people see entrepreneurs as very social creatures. You're always pitching, you're always at events, you're. Um, always yeah. with your team, if you have one, it seems like you're very social. So why why do you say there's it's hard to have a social life as an entrepreneur? 
you know, we go to a lot of networking events and we go to these conferences and it's like, you're talking with people, but it's always with an objective or a goal in mind, right? Sometimes even after work and stuff, when I'm hanging out or trying to hang out with other people and stuff, it's, it's always like, okay, well, I need to update them on what's going on in the company. I need to, you know, talk to them and show them like, you know, we're making a lot of progress and things are going on the right path. So even in my head, it's still work to me and networking and stuff, you know, I'm talking with people and it's, but it's all, it's all a part of work. It's all like, how can I build this relationship? How can we figure out a way to work with this person, get them what they want, get what we need from them as well. And it's, it's just continuous work. And people, you know, when they know you're running a business or starting a company, a lot of times that's the stuff they're going to ask you about. And so it's, it's always like, answering questions related to work and company and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's not as social, you know, when I'm, I'm talking about social life, I mean, like, when can we have some time where it's not about the company? When can we talk about things that aren't related to starting a business, running a business or something outside of that? And that's, that's what I meant, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Turning it off is like impossible. And, uh, but what about all this free time? I mean, you have all the uh, entrepreneurs, they, they set their own schedule. I mean, that's just, wouldn't that be just great if you didn't have to be somewhere nine to five, you could set your own schedule, you know, every step of the way. Isn't that, you know, isn't that a great benefit? Even, even if you are in social events, you're working, like I have my phone on me and I'll get emails while hanging out with people that I got to answer your social life. Like for me personally, I made a conscious decision to try to have a social life. Even if I was doing this, just knowing myself, if I'm not around, if I don't have enough social interaction, my mind gets wonky. Um, I don't do isolation well. So for me, it's like, I did make a conscious choice to say, okay, I will try to have a social life when I can. I actually would, before the pandemic, scheduled trivia was my social thing. I know I'd invited David to that, but that was like my, I need to have a social thing and trivia will be my social thing. Um, I almost never showed up because I was usually working on something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. job supporting him there, David. <laughs> yeah, he understands. And I remember I, I, we all oh, understand. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. David and I have had this conversation before, but one of the things uh, as an entrepreneur is knowing yourself, like know where your spiral begins and identifying what starts the spiral, what leads it, what the steps are, and what are your escapes? So like, if you know that event A triggers sequence B, what's your escape hatch for event A? So when event A happens, you can go straight to that escape hatch rather than continuing down the spiral. That's something I think is very important as entrepreneurs. We find, find like, what is that? Is it hiking? Is it going to a brewery? Is it find that's like, what is that escape hatch that you say, hey, this is my mental space of peace that I'm going to do once something happens that's going to push me off the edge? I do think that's a little bit easier said than done, though. Like, I know for me, I understand what you're saying. And I think for me, it took me a long time to realize some of this stuff about myself, you know, when am I trying to recognize when I'm going down maybe the wrong path or something? Uh, and, and when I mean that, I mean like maybe three to five years or more, you know, before I could realize some of these signs. And I feel like sometimes entrepreneurs or many times entrepreneurs are very, they have a one track mind, you know, they're working on this project, they're doing everything they can 
if they're a good entrepreneur, I guess, to make this project happen. And sometimes they don't take the time that's needed to self-reflect, think about themselves, think about all the progress they've made to date, you know, think about how they're doing health-wise, mental health-wise, all that sort of stuff. And I encourage that. I mean, I feel like people need to do that maybe even daily, you know, take a few minutes, 10 minutes every day and kind of self-reflect on how you're doing. When I think about entrepreneurs is almost this experienced entrepreneur versus I don't want to say against the new entrepreneurs, but it's almost adorable to me when I meet a brand new entrepreneur and they're just so gung ho and they're, you know, they're like, Oh, I've been up all night for three days straight. And it's like this badge of honor and this exciting thing. And I remember doing the same thing. Kind of what you're, we've talked about Edwin is that if you go down this path long enough, you start to, you either learn like about yourself and how to actually intervene on your own, or you just, drive yourself into the ground to the point where you either quit, you fail, or if you've achieved success, you hate it. And I've been there where I've been successful and hated the success. And it just, it takes time to learn that about yourself. And the sooner you can like plan that out, I think the better, but I, I just being completely realistic here is that this idea of work-life balance as an entrepreneur is just total bullshit. I mean, there's all these books and all these things written about, uh, we need to you know, have work-life balance. You can't sacrifice these things. And those are written for and probably by people that work nine to five. They're like, how do you get more time in your day? Like if you're truly an entrepreneur and you're growing very quickly or you're trying to get you know, to the next milestone, all you're doing is working. There's no other, if you're not working, your mind is still working. And you can take 10 minute breaks. You could you know, go play trivia night here and there. But at the end of the day, yeah. even when you're there, you're still working like you're, you're still thinking true. things. And it, it, I think we just have to be very realistic. If you're going to start a company, that is your life for the next five years, if not probably 10. And it's, if, you're, if you're failing, it's going to be very miserable and tough. And if you're successful, it's 10 times harder. I've mm-hmm. one of the quotes from a mentor growing, you know, growing up as an entrepreneur <laughs> uh, was that the only thing harder than a failing business is a successful one. And that's completely true. And so if that's the case, you got to get out of your mind that you have to have this perfect balance that just creates more stress. And you got to get the people around you socially to understand that. And some people won't. I've missed weddings. I've missed you know, all kinds of other things. I've, I've lost friends over it. And they just didn't understand. You know, I've, I missed a wedding, ran into the, you know, I apologized, you know, sent a gift. Ran into him like 10 years later, just randomly on a ski slope in Colorado and said hi to his wife and you know, got to congratulate her, congratulate her. He came up, I said hi, and, they, and he just like stormed off and walked away and never wants to talk to me again. And I'm like, wow. okay, that's wow. fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I look at that like, hey, I didn't really lose a friend. I just, you know, he was never that good of a friend anyway, evidently. Right. But there's just a reality that I made, I chose the company over that friendship. And you've got to always look at that and say, I, I'm okay with what I chose. And I think that's, that's to me the advice to figure out what you're okay with doing. Yeah. That's another thing I, I noticed with friendships, being an entrepreneur, most of your friends can't relate. And you find yourself in at times because of that drifting away from people because your life is so fundamentally different than the average person who works a nine to five and your excitements, your things that you're talking about, where you'll hear someone complain about their boss and something, and you can't get, give them advice because your advice is totally different because you're seeing it from your fully empowered 
to take on a problem and solve it where someone else is like, they don't have that empowerment. And so your interactions change over time. As a, it's tough thing. I remember, uh, I know Arnab and I have had situations where as like being an entrepreneur, I understand it from Arnab, like where we went out for dinner and what were you an hour late? And the waitress was yeah. coming back to me. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's uh, like, just bringing beers. And did your friend stand <laughs> you up? <laughs> I made I've it that, eventually. I've been that person. I've been that person many times. I think with you guys too. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, you're not the only person I've done that to. And I've done it to friends, yeah. you know, that, that aren't entrepreneurs and they don't understand it as much. You know, it's like, I've been hour late to, I think, I don't know if it was an hour late, but there's like someone I was hanging out with and they only had like an hour to spend or something and we're just going to catch up. And I think I was like 30 or 45 minutes late to it. And so like, I still got to saw him a little, little bit and talk a little, but um, yeah, I don't think they're very happy. <laughs> but should, shouldn't they just be like, you know, feel like any of our time is just a gift to them. I mean, it isn't like an experience of <laughs> meeting Arnab, Edwin, or David for even if they get 15 minutes. I mean, that, that's like yeah. meeting royalty, right? <laughs> yeah, no. No, I do yeah, feel bad. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I mean, I do feel bad and stuff. And, you know, you guys, you guys brought up a lot of good points just recently. Like the social life thing I was talking about, like, can you really turn it off? I don't think you can. Like, I don't, you know, I say these things and I'm, I'm talking about like, is there going to be some time where I can just not work, think about work or anything, but it's just subconsciously things are going to come up in my head and I'm going to be thinking about what I can do or what, what needs to be done. And, you know, is everything going okay with me not, you know, doing what I need to be doing right now? You know, I, I don't know. It's very hard to do that. And then like with friends and stuff, I mean, for me, I was on like, I felt like I was on this social island for, or like this work island, I don't know, an island for like two or three years where like I didn't do anything other than work, like literally did not reach out to anybody other or have interactions with people that I was not working with in some capacity. I talked with you guys, of course, because like we were doing Founders Forge or Startup Tri-Cities at the time. And I talked with Flowmetech people, but I realized like, there's, there's a point where I had to like reach out to some people for recommendations. And I, I was thinking about my friend list and it's like, wow, it's been, has it really been like three or four years since I've talked to this person or like five years in some cases since I've talked to this person and updated them or like, you know, seen what was going on in their lives is kind of a crazy realization. And when I, when I came to that realization, I was like, I think I need to do a little bit better and stay uh, with staying in touch with people. I tried, this was like the end of 2019. And so I, I joke with, I joked with Edwin about this the other day. It's like, as soon as I realized I needed to start being a little bit more social and hanging out with people and meeting up with people, the pandemic hit and, <laughs> and it was like, all right, well, I, there I, goes that. I, Arnab, <laughs> I think that's the world saying you need to spend more time on your start up and quit trying yeah. to be social and have friends and a life and stuff. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. your sign. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but I, I actually, that, that brings me to kind of one of my points and this is a hundred, hundred percent my ego talking. I've always wanted to have like an internet law or something. And so I've been calling this uh, topic I talk about, I keep calling it Dave's law just because, you know, that's what I want to call it. But I, Dave's law is 
as an entrepreneur, when you go out and you launch something uh, or you get going and, you know, you, you have your new venture, your product goes out or something else, like it's this great moment. But as soon as that happens, everything in the world as, as a whole tries to almost start working against you. It's it's like family and friends are all of a sudden excited you started and then almost instantly they're like, well, hey, why hasn't this been successful? You know, when are you going to go get a real job? Uh, things start, you know, other opportunities come like, you know, I guarantee as soon as you if you quit your job and go full time into your startup, some other job offer is just going to come out of nowhere on LinkedIn. I mean, who gets a job off LinkedIn? Never. But I guarantee you they're going to say, hey, I'd love to hire you for a, like $100,000 a year. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. What should I be doing? It's like every possible case that's out there, well, things will start going wrong because it's almost like the world wants you to fail. And it at least feels that way. And maybe you're just more cognizant of seeing that. But I, I keep calling that Dave's Law just to explain and to kind of make jokes because when we do something and something goes wrong, I just you know look over at my wife and go, Dave's Law. Dave's Law is happening. And it's kind of funny to us now because uh, she thinks I'm absolutely ridiculous. But and I am. There's just a reality that we always celebrate this exciting moment of success. We don't take in all the other pressures that come along with that growth, that success or those milestones. Because in a startup, I think, I think especially with the startups I'm working with right now, there is a mindset that if they just had you know a first investment of $50,000, they'd all be successful. And I'm trying to explain that, no, if you get $50,000, first of all, if you're not really ready, you're just going to lose $50,000. And second of all, when that money comes in, there's a ticking time clock with whoever gave you that money is looking for results. So you just added another right. person to your life that is right. expecting you to be successful. They did not give you that money thinking, well, and maybe they thought they're going to lose it. Maybe they were okay with losing it, but they would never show you that. They're going to be calling you, knocking on your door and trying to understand why isn't this working? You said it was going to work in you know three years. Right. Having a medical device company where the timeline to approval and there's so many you know regulatory things you have to worry about and consider. Of course, there's acquisition points all along this timeline, but it could be five to seven to 10 years before the device is FDA approved and ready for commercialization. So if that's the path, you know, it's like up to us to help constantly remind them, you know, what it takes to make this successful. And it's not just an overnight thing. It's not like you're going to put in your money today and in three months or a year, you're going to have, you know, a three to five or more times return. You know, of course, we'd love for that to happen. And we're doing everything we can to make something like that happen. But that's just not how it's always going to work. You got to constantly, they're not in it. They're not doing what you're doing every day. And so uh, there's sometimes, you know, like out of sight, out of mind. And it's like, okay, I put in this much amount of money and I haven't heard from these people in a month or two months or three months. Are they still working? Are they doing something, you know, and they're, their mind wanders and comes up with all these different questions. It's really like when something like that happens that, you know, we, that's why we try to do like continuous updates with our investors, you know, and even if we don't get the chance to update an investor or something every now and then, we just, please, if you're listening to this, please know that every day we're working pretty hard to <laughs> make sure your money multiplies <laughs> 10 or plus more times. <laughs> well, see, this is exactly the problem. Right. The, because if you get this extra pressure out, there is a intrinsic motivation to tell everyone everything's fine at all times. Like it's, it's very hard to tell people that 
hey, my startup's struggling right now. Like, because one, if you have investors, they don't want to hear that and you don't want word getting back to them. If you are struggling with something else and you say it like your, your family and your friends, they, they care about you. They don't care about your company like you do. You care about your company usually more than you care about yourself a lot of times. And so, you know, what do you say? Ah, oh, this, you know, this is just terrible right now. And it could just be you're at the bottom of a, you know, of the roller coaster ride getting ready to go on the next hill. But you start talking about how miserable you know it is right at that moment. Everybody's like, jump ship, get out. What are you doing? Go get a job. You could get so much more money. Oh, go do all these great things. And it's not what you need to hear. So then you st- you just don't talk about it. You don't tell people. You yeah. might tell other entrepreneurs, but then it's kind of admitting, it feels like you're admitting like things aren't great. And it just, it creates this bad culture of you ever can't talk about this life of pain you're leading. I think that's also why drug use is so high among entrepreneurs. That pressure where you're looking for that edge, that neurotropic stack that will give you all the insights and energy to solve the problem in a week. And for those who don't know, neurotropic stacks is a big thing where people mix and match drugs to try to get some sort of psychological edge over their competition. It leads to substance abuse. And I think that's one of the reasons why our community does suffer from is more likely to have substance abuse is this pressure to always perform, especially when you get funding, where you have that ticking time bomb, where if you don't perform, they boot you out of your company that you started. And the average entrepreneur never, like once you get investment, you're not with your, the average entrepreneur is not with your that company they founded five years. Um, the company will continue on without them, but they're usually out in five years. And that pressure is something that you're always looking for. Like we're entrepreneurs, we're always looking for that edge, be it better product. How do we personally perform better? And one of the trends that unfortunately has happened in our community is the use of drugs and combination of drugs to try to get that psychological edge where you're up and that's you're using drugs like Upper, upper drugs like cocaine to make you work harder then you can't yeah, sleep we're not talking about marijuana i don't i don't know a lot of entrepreneurs that are you know smoking a joint yeah. and just chilling and being lazy that just it's like the counter drug it's everything else that anything kind of upper and actually caffeine i mean it's probably the most over abused drug above of above all else yeah. and there's you know people actually having serious side effects, even just from caffeine, where they're using like caffeinated powders and everything else just to spike their water or whatever else, (laughs) let alone, you know, cocaine and Adderall and everything else. So it's, it's definitely a huge issue. And and I think part of that though, is I think we, in a lot of ways, the community does it to itself. It's just so fad driven for a while. Everybody was talking about, Oh, if you're going to be productive for like the five ways to be productive, or my favorite is, you know, the 10 habits of, you know, billionaires and how they achieved their success. And like one of them is always, they got up at four 30 in the morning. And I used to laugh at that because if I got up at four 30 in the morning, there would be many, many nights. I just wouldn't sleep. Right. Cause I went to bed at like two yeah. or three in the morning. I like it just doesn't make sense, but we all, everybody jumps onto this. Oh, this is what one successful person did. And I, you know, some writer that's probably not even an entrepreneur interviews them and finds out their habits of this one person. And then they try to apply it as this theme but it creates this fad and all of a sudden all the entrepreneurs and startups are talking about like, oh, you got to do this now. and oh, you got to do that. It just creates these unreasonable pressures. And then so if you're if you're working all day, you know, maybe spending a little bit of time out and then you work in the evening 
and then you want to you're hitting this goal so now you're you're pounding caffeine or taking something worse you're just in this vicious cycle that eventually is going to catch up with you but then but you have to get up at 4 30 you can't sleep in because that's not what successful people do so you won't let yourself do that and it just creates these really terrible situations that lead to all these problems a uh, quick question for you guys what were some of your darkest moments um to date as an entrepreneur oh there's so many <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there's like a specific numbers of number of days or specific dates, but I just know like I think the darkest days are like when when you feel like everything you're doing is wrong and you're not getting the progress or you're you're not accomplishing the milestones you thought you would accomplish in the during the day, during the week, during the month or whatever. And it's just like what you you question like okay what why why isn't anything working right now why can't you know why can't i just get back right on on the right track i guess why can't i do this or why can't i do that or why isn't it happening like it should you know and, and sometimes unfortunately those days are mixed in with like external things that things that you can't necessarily control that you're hearing like oh well we got to now push this project back or now we got to change directions and things just like david was saying you know they, they kind of just like stack on top of each other and sometimes when you're doing this work it's based on N ndas and all that sort of stuff you can't really talk about it to people you know like we were talking about earlier it's just hard to talk to people about what you're struggling with and it's all kind of kept internal you know those to me are the darkest days where things aren't going right and you can't talk about it to anybody and it's just like so much crap gets built up in your head and I also wanted to add, like, I can't like the bipolar stuff too. Like I can understand that because there's like almost two sides of being an entrepreneur. There's that, like we've been talking about, you got, you got to be happy. You got to be positive. You got to be optimistic about what you're doing. Even if things go wrong, it's like, that's okay. We can fix this. We can switch directions. We can do this and keep everything going and make sure you're projecting this image to keep your partners, your investors, everybody gung-ho and everything but then like on the other side of it you're just like yeah sometimes you're just crumbling and you don't know like you can't talk to anybody about it and so like i feel like when you just continuously have phases like that i, I can see how that can lead to something like that i guess but yeah those, those, those are my thoughts on it yeah i think the most specific examples I have or I've talked about when we landed Captain Morgan as a client with my first startup and we got wired $90,000 and it's this really cool, um, exciting thing where we're sitting on this high cloud of, oh, this is a great moment. But what I usually don't share is that we go through all this and it's maybe two or three weeks later, I'm sitting at this presentation that my co-founder is giving about entrepreneurship or something along those lines and I have a room full of people and I'm sitting in the back and of course I'm working. I'm actually working on the development of that because I can't just sit at a presentation. I got to be working. And it hits me that back then mobile phones didn't have a JPEG encoder, which is the code that lets you take a, when you take a picture, it saves it to a image. And back then it, it just didn't exist in a way that we could use it. And here we had signed this, you know, large deal with Captain Morgan that we're going to make him this app that handles all this photo stuff. And I'm literally sitting there, we've spent a lot of money on setting all of this up, getting subcontractors, artists, and everything else going for this project. And I'm looking at this going, we're dead in the water. And I just remember the like intense fear 
that we just started a company. We sold this really awesome idea and we literally cannot pull it off at this moment. Right. Like everything's dead in the water. We're going to get sued. What is going to happen? Like we're so screwed. And, you know, my co-founder is up there just, you know, promoting and talking into this good mood. And I'm listening to them talk. And I'm just there thinking like I'm counting down the seconds until I can go tell them what the hell are we going to do? And he's been a mentor my whole life, really, at this point. And after we had this, I would kind of panic, set him in. I kind of like pulled him out of the room. Like, oh, my gosh, we're so screwed. What are we going to do? And I just remember him just being like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I remember that pissing me off so much up front because I was like, you can't just say we're going to figure it out. We have to figure it out. Well, we figured it out. I mean, we turned out a freelancer or somebody else had written some code we could just purchase and it, it saved the day and we got to keep working on the project. But it was that just excruciating moment of we are so screwed. And another story about a different project where we just had a client not pay us the other half of the money. We had... I don't remember. It was like forty or sixty thousand dollars. We had all these subcontractors we needed, you know, to pay. And luckily, we had a contract. I mean, I can't say luckily; it didn't seem luckily, but our agreement was we would pay the contractors their final payment once we got paid from our client. They had agreed to that in our contract. That client didn't pay us for a year, so I had people that I worked with at, you know, and they're actually going to school with me at the time. I'd walk through the halls and I'd just hear like, "Where's my money?" And they, you know, people getting lawyers, threatening to sue us. And I mean, it, it was a big deal. I mean, some we owed like eight or $9,000 each, you know, for some of these people. And it, it was terrible. It was such a horrible feeling knowing that one, we're letting them down. We're breaking their trust. You know, they're all just pissed off at us because, you know, we're not, it doesn't feel like we're keeping up our end of the bargain. We'd actually explored getting our own lawyer. We looked at the, you know, could we get a loan just to pay them in the short time? I was actually looking at college loans. Maybe I could get a college loan enough to pay off the you know top ones and they could pay me back. And it, all it took almost a year later was the, we finally got a hold of that person's boss and said, Hey, this is what's going on. And we were paid in three days and we had paid all our subcontractors, but that was a year of dealing with this crap while we're still trying to build this business. And, and yeah, there were mistakes made on our part. There were better things we could have done. We, we just didn't know at the time. We didn't know the better way to go about it. And it, it just was a nightmare-ish moment where you think of all these people are counting on you. And here you're letting everyone down. And you feel like you're letting yourself down because you were just handed the keys to this phenomenal, you know, like successful business. And it's, it's yours to screw up. And so every day you think, am I, doing the, am I doing something right or am I doing something wrong? And some days it just feels like it's flipping the coin. You don't really know until after it happens. What about you, Edwin? Ooh, I have had some dark days. I'd say my worst was the end of Get Fit Gadgets. It was like everything just hit at once. My girlfriend had called to break up with me because I, I had just moved to Tennessee. Get Fit Gadgets was ended. And it was a rough time, you know, where I literally had nothing. Back with my parents. And here I am. My business life is over. My personal life was coming to a crashing halt. And it was like a, para a paralyzing feeling where there was nothing in front of me. And it's one of those feelings where you feel completely hopeless. I don't think I've ever felt that way since. It's hard to explain. That's where you start going down that is the life worth living path when you're at that type of a bottom. It's one of those things where I was lucky that I was able to work my way out of it. Interestingly enough, uh, another friend of mine, an entrepreneur, was having a very similar problem at the same time. 
and we ended up talking to each other and basically talking ourselves back into starting new businesses. I don't know if that was the smart idea. Here I am now, several years later, uh, with a new uh, the, the, with a startup. <laughs> but it was it was a rough time. One of the things, having gone through that type of low point, where you feel totally overwhelmed, helpless, is looking back. I've used that as a reference point to quote Tim Ferriss in his book, The Four Hour Workweek. What's the worst that can happen if everything goes bad and understand what that is. And I have since since then, I have used that moment in my life as the what's the worst that could happen um, going forward where I'm like, OK, if this goes sideways, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, that was back then. I'm fine. I can work through it and do something else. And understanding what my mental state was then, what I've learned about myself since then, um, who I've become, and knowing that even if everything goes sideways, there are always people there who will help me get back on my feet, even if it's somebody else in the exact same position where life's feeling hopeless. Because isolation is the worst thing that can happen to you when you're in a dark moment. I'd say the other dark time, I'd say the second one, was the pivot between Perserbid and Zenhammer, where I was like, well, all this now is coming to an end. What do I do next? But again, turned out something really good has come out from it, where now I have Zenhammer. We're starting to get our into the market, get users, and it's it's one of those things where I think in today's society we do not understand what suffering's role in our lives is or what the dark emotions in our lives is. It's like we're programmed to be happy all the time. And when we do face adversity, in a way is a foreign concept to us because we're told constantly we need to be happy. Getting on to this lifestyle of being an entrepreneur, you are not happy all the time. You're probably not happy most of the time. That's true. <laughs> yeah i wanted to kind of just for a second i do think it's worth saying and just making this very clear that no matter how, it's gonna sound bad at first but no matter how bad it's been before yes it can be way worse so looking back at your darkest days and saying mm-hmm. you know it's gonna get better i agree with that that's a good way to go but always remember that it could always be a lot worse no matter how bad it was before and i think that when you've been through this enough you, you, you can build this track record up of knowing no matter how, I mean, nowadays I'm not immune yeah. from being upset or depressed or, you know, scared, but I do know deep down in my soul that no matter what, I'm, I'm going to bounce back because that's what I do. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I've done it enough. I know I'll bounce back. I mean, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my fifth startup and I didn't get to five through four successes. <laughs> you know, it was three epic failures one success and the last one still, you know, we're on the edge. We're, it's really, I'm really uncertain where it's going to go right now, but I know no matter what, I'll bounce back because I haven't before it. If you haven't bounced back and you don't have a track record, I, I would just pause for a second and really stop and say, it doesn't matter what happens. You're going to bounce back. You can, you can recover from this no matter how bad it's gotten, 
Yeah. You know, there, there was a person that invested all his money in Robin Hood and he did, he was, he did something where I forget what it was. He was basically gambling and I don't know if he was shorting stocks or something, but he thought he was in such dire, you know, financial problems that he was like, he ended up killing himself. And I, I, I even look at that. I don't care if you're a billion dollars in debt, you're going to bounce back. You're going to be okay. And so I just want to really push that out there and say that, I mean, even Tim Ferriss, if you don't know his whole story, and I love that you brought him up, Edwin, like he was set to commit suicide and he checked out a book from the library and it accidentally got like a little info card from the college library uh, was mailed to his parents' address. And it was, I forget the book. It was something like, you know, how to prepare, like things you need to know about suicide or, or before you do it or something like that. I forget what it was, but it was a, a awakening moment where he lied to his parents, tried to act like everything's okay. But it was kind of this reminder for him to go, you know, rethink his life and you know, recover from that. And he struggled with depression, you know, a good part of his life. But look where he is today. Even at the darkest moment where he was making plans, he recovered from that. And he's okay. And so I really encourage anyone that's having a really big struggle. Just it's not that the struggle isn't real. It's that the struggle actually doesn't matter. It's where you go after the struggle ends and it's always recoverable. Yeah. I think a lot of these dark days and stuff, I mean, yeah, it sucks and it's tough, but after getting through them, I think, you know, if you find a way to get through these, you become a much tougher, more emotionally mature person and individual and you're set up much better to tackle and approach the next group of dark days or whatever, you know, you, you keep getting stronger, you keep getting better. And like you guys have been saying, you know, it, you have in the back of your mind, well, I've been through worse. I can get through this somehow, some way. And whether it's figuring things out by myself, within myself, or ha having the support from the people I love around me, friends and family, there's, there's going to be a way out of this, you know, for us, I guess I'd like to hear from you all, like how you guys stay focused and moving forward and making progress when you get into this headspace. But like for, for me, you know, whenever in these tough days, these dark days, I always like to think about like what you said, David, there, it can be worse. There are people out there around the world that are in worse situations than me. You know, I'm pretty blessed to be where I am and to be able to do the things I can do and to have the abilities I have. And so that keeps me going, thinking back at all the things that we've accomplished that we've done to, to date. I mean, Flow MedTech, we're in, I think, I guess our seventh year now. Um, we've grown from a startup to this small company that has, you know, people all around the country internationally supporting us, working with us. You know, we've made so much progress and it's, it's surreal to think that the company is where it is today based on where it started back in 2013, 2014. And so, you know, that, that, that helps motivate me. And then also thinking about the friends and family that have invested in us that have supported us since day one, or since the first day they came on board, the people who work with us for shares or equity and, that are also working for free right now, I guess. Well, not for free, but for shares in equity and not getting paid. You know, I mean, that's the thing that all these people believe in us so much and have this passion and for this project and what we're doing, that that helps motivate me and it keeps me going. And it's like, I can't, you know, we can't let these people down. They believe in the project. They believe in Flow MedTech, but they also believe in me. 
and they joined this company for what you know also you know for what who christine and i are as people and so all that sort of stuff thinking about all of that just really helps me stay focused and keep moving forward what about you all i i think the the piece for me and and i guess it's kind of my advice as a whole is that i've learned that it's really important to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not I, I was, you know, the young, ambitious, stay up all night. I'm going to sacrifice everything just to get this working. And it, it just obviously is not a guarantee, but you actually can't. I would argue you, you have to work extremely hard no matter what, whether you're going to succeed or fail. You have to be extremely diligent, hardworking, and you have to focus on what you're working towards. But you also, if you sacrifice everything, it's just not a sustainable you know, existence that you're going to, it's not going to help you to succeed. And so for, for a good example, what I'm not willing to, to sacrifice is actually my, you know, I'm, I'm married and have a personal relationship with my wife. And I think it's, she would very, she would roll her eyes and say, yes, I have pushed the limit of putting the company in front of her. I've, I've ridden that fine line. Um, but I would argue that if I have to make a decision between her or the company, I'm going to choose her every time. And what kind of enlightened me to this, I was in a program, it was a really cool accelerator program. All the mentors and advisors were, they had sold a business, they had been through that process, they'd been acquired, merged. I mean, they were all extremely well experienced, past, past and current entrepreneurs. And I'll never forget the very first guy that introduced himself as they all went around the room to tell who they were and their story a little bit. He joked that, you know, I'm on my third startup, or sorry, I'm on my fifth startup and my third wife. You kind of made that joke and everybody kind of laughed. And then he told all the great things he did. And when the next one, you know, said his story and was like, yeah, I'm on my second wife. And the next one was like, yeah, I'm on my, I'm on my second wife too. And it went all the way around to these eight mentors and every single one of them had been divorced. And so I, I looked at that and wow. it just, it was a funny moment, but I kind of stopped and was like, why are we laughing at this? Right. It's not, <laughs> it's weird that we're all laughing about how all these people had been divorced through such a, a really difficult time and most of them later on did say that you know they one guy put the his payroll on his credit card not just once but twice i mean that that financial strain creates problems in your your marriage for sure and, and just making sure both are on board for it it's just a very very tough you know thing to be to be in a relationship and be an entrepreneur is very tough and you have to really decide how far are you willing to go are you willing to just work your life away and never see your family. Like I'm not, I have to make that balance and say, these are the things I want to be there for. And I, that's what I do. I just, I walk away from it and I come back and I know the work will be there tomorrow. And I got to set realistic goals and not let anybody pressure me to, you know, be over the top with them. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Knowing what your, what your boundaries are. That was one of the uh, big advice I got from one of the, uh, he's a member of VC in Atlanta he said, don't sacrifice your health for your company because what basically what's the point of building a company then you die at the end? Dad and family. Uh, spoiler alert, the, my girlfriend who called me to break up in my last segment is not my wife. So having a good family relationship in my life is something I'm not also willing to sacrifice. Uh, that's not to say that things haven't been strained. But knowing what your boundaries are, and also to knowing what you can delegate, 
what you're good at, what you're not. I think we as entrepreneurs are control freaks and we try to do everything all the time when sometimes the better option is, hey, this person can do something better than I can and can handle that. Maybe I will pay that person, not pay myself. And then they can do that and delegate us. Yeah, because I think that's one of the big issues that we as entrepreneurs have is we don't know how to give up control when that is a better option than trying to manage all the little things ourselves. It may give you some free time, Arnab, to have a social life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't have the wife problem right now, so I may have to reevaluate <laughs> some things a little bit later. I'm going to give you some advice right now. Don't call it the wife problem. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the first yeah, mistake would, you don't want to make, trust me. <laughs> this is probably why I'm in this situation. <laughs> um, what you guys said is really great. I, I think like these dark days, that really... I really do believe it helps no matter what you, what you think in the moment or even shortly after it, like it, it helps you making you emotionally stronger, better, smarter. We learned how to, I learned how to plan better in some cases, learned that there are different ways to achieve the same results. You know, if things aren't going the way I thought it was going to go. I think everything happens for a reason and you go through these, these times for a reason. And the struggle has made us work harder for sure. You know, my advice would be try to communicate with your team or whoever you can speak to about the situation as much as you can. I, I know sometimes I get caught up in like, what's the best way to start the conversation? What are the right words I need to use so I don't offend somebody or feel like I'm putting an additional weight on somebody, but sometimes you just got to get them out. You just got to get the words out, start communicating. And whether it's with your team or your family and friends or your wife, I encourage that. Cause I think that's going to, I think that helps a lot. Just being able to talk about it. I would recommend two books to people listening. The hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz, where he actually talks about the difficulties of running a startup. He puts it as wartime CEOs, which I think most of us are because you're always solving problems to stay alive as a company, especially in the early phase, you're in survival mode. And then a book I recently read was called The Five-Day Turnaround by Jeff Hillmeyer. Um, he's an Atlanta native. I sometimes see him around at ATV, at ATV when I'm down there. And one of the things that big things I took away from that book was creating your headspace every day to get yourself in a frame of mind, spending time to get yourself in a frame of mind to approach today so that you don't go off deep end. Now, he doesn't say go off the deep end. He's talking about his team and their performance. But personally, uh, for me, that headspace, having a moment before the day starts or even during the day when I get frustrated or just hit that emotional budget limit where I just need to take a 10-minute break, meditate, do something to get myself back and go right back at it. I think that's important, having, having a mental routine to your day, as well as a work routine, I think is very important. Yeah, I think you're, everyone's hearing a lot of different perspectives and advice, and I think that's good. I, I, I'm still really excited we did this topic. I think a lot more entrepreneurs need to talk about this. I think a couple of things you're going to notice is that you can actually talk to entrepreneurs about these types of things better than you can your friends, family, 
uh, even your wife, to be honest, like they just they don't understand like other entrepreneurs do. And so finding an organization like Founders Forge or Entrepreneur Support Organization that's out there, I think is a really important thing to do. It just lets you have these conversations. You build friendships. But I think you've also heard that sometimes you got to get away from the other entrepreneurs. They're just going to help you start more companies. Uh, and while that's a good thing, it's also a it can be a difficult thing. It prevents you from being able to get away. But I, I think the biggest lesson I learned you know, just from our discussion here and when we haven't really talked, we've talked about this to some degree, but never at this level, is you really got to figure out what works for you, that no matter how dark it gets, it can be better. And, it, you know, this is a, a fantastic journey. The last question to wrap this up is, despite all of this, would you be anything else other than, than an entrepreneur? I'm going to say no. No. Uh, and no, you I know, be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> I everything that has happened. And I love this path. <laughs> yeah, like this path is tough. It's funny, like my frame of mind now with everything, especially with regards to this topic, where when something happens, no good thing. I forgot the quote. I can't remember off the top of my head. Something that basically things that are worth it are not easy. What I think I'm doing is really worth it. And I know there's going to be tough times ahead. There's going to be adversity ahead. Maybe Zenhammer makes it, maybe it doesn't. But if Zenhammer doesn't make it, I've got 20 other ideas that I've made in the lot, written down in the last two years of things that I'm like, hmm, that could be better. And eventually, it's like I will land on my feet. I, I honestly, like at this point, I'm confident that no matter, again, how bad it gets, if I even if I don't land on my feet, I can I'll know how to stand up back to my feet. Uh, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the will to endure to endure a tough life. I'm butchering his quote right now. Um, it's a famous quote of his. And I think that's where I am right now. And it's rewarding knowing that what you are doing is yours and it's making people better. And no, I wouldn't do anything different. Because I know now that even if I were to go work a nine to five after this, I'd get fired because I would be attacking my boss and all the things they were doing wrong as a leader or organization or something. Because as entrepreneurs, you're so used to doing everything and trying to fix everything yourself and bigger companies. It's a little different. And yeah, they'd probably fire me in a week after. I'm like, no, you suck at this. <laughs> I can do it better. Give me your job. <laughs> I think that's definitely something entrepreneurs have have to lo- learn and grow on. It's just like we talked about like, entrepreneurs kind of start out as this control freak. But as the company grows, you got to be able to share responsibility. And you, you shouldn't feel the whole weight of the company on just you. You know, um, it's not necessarily the best thing. And I think that can also lead to problems just health-wise down the road. But um, the Bruce Lee quote, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, I think, said, yeah, (laughs) nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. I like that quote. You know, for me, I, I love this journey of entrepreneurship. I like to live a life where I don't have any regrets. I think everything that has happened, like I said, probably happened for a reason and has 
led to where I am today, the failures, the tough times I've learned from it. And hopefully I have grown from it too. So I think it's, it's this is a pretty amazing life. It is. I, I think if you want an easy life, go be a nine to fiver. Nine to fivers are important. We, we need nine to fivers. We have to hire people that are nine to fivers. It's good to hire your, an entrepreneurial team early on, but eventually you need you know, the taskmasters that want to show up at nine, leave at five. They want to read books on how to get more squeezed into their eight hour workday. Like those are very important people, but those are not entrepreneurs. They will never be able to survive in this world. And I just can't ever imagine being anything else but an entrepreneur. I don't want a life of ease. I want a life of struggle. And I don't want to just do something that at the end of the time, at the end of my career, I look back and say, yeah, I, I was there a long time. I want to look back and think, man, I did something that maybe if, if it didn't change the world, it changed the world around a lot of other people and made their lives better. Absolutely. And so I, I, I'm really excited we did this topic. I think this is a great thing to know. We're going to be talking very soon about all of the greatest moments as well, because I mean, that's, we have to do that now. It's, a, it's one of the more fun discussions, but this is an extremely point or strong point that everyone should consider and understand as part of this journey. We look forward to you joining us next time on Startup Pivot Scale. We'd also love to hear from you. Please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For episode transcriptions, past episodes, or to learn more about this podcast, connect with us at StartupPivotScale.com or at StartupPivotScale on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Founders Forge, a 501c3 nonprofit that is dedicated to the underdog entrepreneurs of the Appalachian Highlands and helping them on their startup journeys. We do this by holding high impact events, building a vibrant startup community, and through one-on-one -on -one coaching for startups. Learn more at foundersforge.com.